Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode 15 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the rugby podcast formerly known as the only podcast that cared about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? It is Wednesday evening before Scotland-Wales, and I am joined by Matt. Hi guys, how are we doing? Very excited to preview what's going to be a great weekend of rugby ahead. And of course, our resident Sarapus, Alan Little. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, back and sour. (laughs) He is so sour today, so sour. But um, as we say, obviously looking ahead to the Wales game, we've had um, a chat with the Viet Gwent, a top Welsh rugby blogger, and his insight is amazing, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I think he put us to shame in terms of his actual rugby analysis. So um, for yeah. all, well, all things Welsh, he's the man to go to. Yeah, so look forward to that. He also answered the charge as to whether Sam Warburton is the most overrated rugby player in the world. So listen up for that. Um, thanks again for joining us, guys, and chatting to us, um, as always. Um, on Twitter, that's at Thistle Rugby Pod, and following us on iTunes and the ACAST podcast app. If you're on iTunes, as always, please get on there and leave us a review. It really helps us out with our stats and getting our name out there because we just want to speak about Scottish rugby to as many people as possible. So uh, this week we had a review from Isla301 that said, Jim Telfer would be proud. Top work, lads. Really enjoy the setup, topics, banter, and trivia. Brilliant. You, you know what? Else, Jim Taff would be proud of, and that is our sponsor, Cornerstone. He would be quite. He he likes a clean-shaven man, doesn't he? Yeah, he's no nonsense. Borders lie. He's not. He's not messing around with beers, that man. Yeah, so that's good. So we let 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 everyone know about Cornerstone. Get on their website, put in Thistle at checkout, and you will get a razor with a premium engraved shaft with your initials and six blades, just for four quid. So go along, try it out. It's really good, and. Um, Allen's looking good, Cornerstone's up to the nines. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Jim Telfer's using anything other than a one-blade bick. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if not, just like a bit of sharpened stone from yeah. like the, the river <laughs> at the bottom of his garden. But I'm sure he, w- he would like the Cornerstone razor if he was bought to him as a present. I think so, yeah. yeah. So if you are Jim Telfer's son, grandson, yeah. you know, why not get him a Cornerstone? Ian McGeekin, get him yeah, a little exactly. prez. It's fine. Get him one. John Beatty Sr., he'd probably like one as well. Yeah. Yeah, so there we go. Um, so let's talk about our three Thistle issues. Obviously, we've got a preview of the Scotland-Wales game this weekend. We are then going to look at Edinburgh's star signing of uh, Richard Cockerell as their uh, head coach for next season. And then have a bit of a chat about some of the chat this week on the expansion of the Pro 12 to maybe include a Georgian team. And I think there was a German team even mentioned as well. So das ist gut. Um, so <laughs> we'll be getting... <laughs> 
<laughs> Show that. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Give, give me so, nothing for sure. <laughs> so, um, but first, let's get into as we do. Let's get into a bit of news. Um, some more signings. Um, Glasgow, Pete Horn re-signed. Pretty good news. Yeah, really good. Um, I think he's been a, he's got a lot of appearances now for Glasgow, and I think he's actually became a become a really important player. Um, particularly as he's not sort of a first choice to Scotland anymore. So. Um, when when the internationals are on, he sort of becomes a really important um, and kind of senior player now. Um, so I think it's really good news. Um, two other bits of signing or sort of contract news are the, the, the young props, uh, Darcy Ray and Jamie Batty, who've not only got a sort of handful of caps between them, but uh, Darcy Ray played against Leicester and as a young prop sort of didn't do himself any, any shame. Um, and Jamie Batty has sort of come up through the academy. So um, I think that's that's good news. Seems uh, seems good to me. And then uh, this chap Gibbons from the uh, from the Hurricanes, he's come over. Dave Rennie seems to think he's all that. Yeah, I think he's played under Dave Rennie and O'Halloran. Yeah. So he's okay. played under both them. His tackle stats look very good. I think they're like what ninety six percent for during the Super Rugby season. So Johnny Gray will laugh at him. Yeah, I mean, it's as em- if it's embarrassing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm. I'm sure he's going to be pretty good. He's sort of reserved back row for the Super Rugby champions. It's uh, I think it's going to be a good signing. I think obviously come, it fills the gap that probably for Favaro. Yeah, because it was confirmed this week that Favaro is definitely uh, definitely leaving. And all I've seen in the stuff of Gibbons is in, literally in every news release, whoever's saying it, it basically says Dave Rennie rates him. Yeah. Like I think Townsend yeah. was like Dave Rennie obviously thinks he's really good, yeah. so that's fine. So Dave Rennie obviously been given carte blanche to bring in who he who he fancies mm. for next mm. year. So that's good. Um, along the M8, um, what were the big signings for Edinburgh? Seen, There's one this morning. Yeah, well, uh, Darcy Graham has signed a full time oh. contract, which I think is really good news. Um, the new so Prince of Hoyt. Yeah, exactly. So he's graduated from the under twenties. He's still playing. Um, they're playing Wales on Friday. Um, and Hoyt, where I think he's one of the top try scorers in the BT Premiership, despite Hoyt being. I think second bottom. So, and some of the tries he scored in the under twenty have been absolutely cracking. So he looks like a good signing. So another fullback coming out of Hoik. So good to see. Don't know what they're doing down there. The, the prince has come to usurp the king. Yeah. So Hoik's <laughs> now gone to king. Surely. Yeah. So he's so, the king of Hoik. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so Darcy's now the prince. Yeah. The prince royal. Lovely. <laughs> good, to, good, good to have him. And yeah. you know, exciting young back going to Edinburgh. You know, Mark Bennett last week. Is his backline coming together? Maybe. Probably not, though. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll come on, we'll chat. What about the Pro 12 results last weekend? Not very good. Losses for Edinburgh lost 39-10 yeah. to Leinster at the RDS. That's so probably fairly um, fairly expected. But that's, you know, during the, during the Six Nations, you'd expect Edinburgh to do a little bit better, would you not? Yeah, well, as you say, they don't lose too many players. Um, kind of watched the highlights of it, and it just did seem like the the Leinster team were just far stronger. Fair enough, Leinster were at home, but Edinburgh just sort of crumbled um, and didn't really get into the game until a late Duncan Weir try. Um, there was a lovely bit of skill though from the uh, yeah George the, the hooker. George Turner, good good shimmy lad. Used to play with him back in the day. You Did know? you? Yeah, just dropped that in. So very good. Oh, he's got the skills. Good good player. He's sort of been trying to break through for a while. So hopefully he can crack on. Yeah. I guess the thing is, that's pretty full strength Edinburgh backline, definitely. Yeah. A couple of forwards injured, and you were hoping up against probably was essentially a reserved Leinster side that they could have um, maybe given a bit of a better performance. But yeah, you would, but we will come on to Leinster, uh, sorry, Edinburgh much later when we talk about Cockerell and what, issue, uh, what issues he's going to face and what, um, what difference we think he's going to make. Let's quickly touch on... Glasgow got a bit of a hiding from Ulster, didn't they? Alan, you watched this one. Yeah, I think actually the result probably flattered Glasgow a little bit. Scott Cummings getting two tries in the uh, in the second half. Um, I think one of the things with Glasgow is they had Henry Pergos at nine and Pete Horn just came back from injury and was playing at ten. And I just felt that there just wasn't much sort of direction in that sort of nine-ten pivot. I think if Henry Pergos sort of had this game to sort of prove to Vern that he was sort of Scotland's nine, uh, then he didn't take it. So I'd be very, very surprised, actually, if he comes in and plays nine on Saturday. Um, I might be able to update you on that one later on, Alan. Oh, really? (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I guess, you know, the thing is, again, it's just the depth, isn't it? Like, Ulster had Henry, Pinar, Luke Marshall, um, Tommy Bowe. 
just a lot of genuine international players. And Glasgow just so ravaged that it was just sort of hard for them to compete. A couple of guys played well. Scott Cummings, sort of young, under... Is he current under 20? He was last year under 20 captain. Um, played pretty well. Favaro sort of showing why he's he's probably going to get picked up by one of the big French clubs. And also Nick Grigg, who I, I absolutely love. Him. He's just a absolute little monster. <laughs> a little, a uh, little monster. He is a little monster. An absolute little monster, guys. There you go. That is the analysis level you're getting. Maybe Stephen Jones was right. Maybe that is pure baby dream. I mean, that it, that <laughs> would disgrace a 10-year-old, to be fair. So. Um, yeah, but Edinburgh sort of languishing way down. No change there. Glasgow still got a bit of a cushion in sixth over Cardiff. I think they're 12 points ahead. That that top six, bottom six um, divide in the Pro mm. 12 doesn't seem to be getting closed any time soon. Right, so domestic stuff is over. Let's focus on the big ticket items. Um, Scotland-Wales this weekend, first game up of the weekend at Murrayfield. Um, we reached out to the Viet Gwent. Uh, he is a um, top Welsh blogger, and here's our chat that we had with him a little bit earlier. Hi, guys. We're uh, joined on the line by the Viet Gwent. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. Uh, not at all, not at all. Obviously, um, looking ahead to the game um, at the weekend, the big grudge match, Scotland-Wales, always an exciting time of the year. Um, the Wales team was announced earlier today. Um, not many changes. North comes in for Cuthbert, which I think is a, a good thing for you guys. And um, I think Charters came onto the bench. What were your, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there was, there was never going to be many um, big big um, surprises this match. Um, George North um, was always going to come back in if he was fit. He's obviously in overall. He's in better form than um, Alex Cuthbert. On the bench, Luke Chartres adds a bit more grunt um, should he come on because since Warren Gatland arrived in Wales in oh, early 2008, Wales have always tried to play a particularly physical game against Scotland and it's worked for the most part. Um, a couple of close, couple of close shades. I think one match in 2010 went well into injury time before Wales um, managed to somehow get a win. But uh, that's the Gatland approach. The only real issue, issue in the team was going to be whether Faletau and Moriarty played in the back row um, with Warburton to add a bit more physicality. But um, Faletau hasn't played much rugby this season with Bath and Tipperick. Um, yeah. Um, Grant, what what did you think of the or what do you think of the balance within that that back row? Um, and and what did you think of the the substitution of Moriarty last week after what fifty minutes or so? Um, it seemed pretty odd. Was that maybe a sign that they want to get Falatau more and more into the game? Well, clearly, you know, Falatau at the at the top of his game is an outstanding player, but. It, you know, we don't really know what's going on. The instructions may have been, look, we want to give Faletau some game time. So, Ross Moriarty, go out there, give it your all for 50, 55 minutes, and then we'll um, we'll pull you off. But uh, what, what does annoy a lot of people is Moriarty seemed to be having the game of his life, literally. He was knocking the English big ball carriers back. And... Um, there was no obvious sign the tank was empty, um, so there was a, a lot of you know discussion in Wales after the game why he was pulled, why he was um, he was pulled off when Falata has hardly played any rugby at all um, this season. It it just had the feel of a substitutions by numbers approach. Yeah, yeah. It, I was going to say I saw. Did you see Moriarty played for Gloucester this weekend as well? Yes. As, yeah. I was quite surprised by that. He, he seemed to be sort of right, doing a massive shift again against Saracens. Well, I think that the position is, is if you're not with your national union, your own domestic clubs, you have to be returned to the English clubs on the, the fallow weekends in the Six Nations. So the WRU could make a request to say, please don't play Faletau or Moriarty, etc. But ultimately, they have no control. If the English club wants to play them, that's their employer. That's the end of the matter. Um, it... Yeah, I was going to say, what are your thoughts on Sam Davis? We've got a Welsh friend who sort of thinks he's sort of the next messiah of um, Welsh rugby, and I know sort of Dan Biggers sort of been there. He knows he knows Warren Ball. He knows the game plan. He sort of had a really good game against England, probably his best game for a while. 
do you think sort of post the Six Nations, sort of Sam Davis is the is the man to come in and take Wales forward? Well, I suspect the hope of the WIU coaching staff is is that Dan Bigger will somehow play his way onto the plane to New Zealand um, with the Lions squad. And then when Wales go out to play Tonga, which I think the match will now be played in New Zealand and Samoa in, um, in Apia, uh, they'll be able to have a good look at Sam Davis then because obviously he's a very talented player. He takes the ball flatter than Dan Bigger yeah. and makes defences think. But obviously, sort of Gatland and Howley are quite conservative coaches, and though they're trying to evolve the style, um, you know, it's evolution, not revolution. So, yeah, so it's really useful. Um, so, moving on to the, the Scotland game, Scotland-Wales game in particular, what, what do you see as the sort of the key areas um, that are going to decide the game on the day? Well, I think obviously the entire Welsh probably approach to this match was probably decided before the Six Nations began when, um, when WP Nell um, got injured. Yeah. I think that will... Any any sort of ambitions Wales probably had of playing a slightly less physical game dis- disappeared with that decision that you know there may be there may be opportunities in the Scottish scrum if he's not there because if I'm looking at the two Scottish games too far you know the, against um, Ireland and um, France well Scotland came out of the blocks fantastic against Ireland and you know built up a lead the Irish could never claw back. But you know, if you'd say one of the few areas of weakness uh, in the Scottish team is the Welsh coaches may be thinking, well, maybe we can get something out of the scrum if we can get there. And other than that, it would be the usual sort of carry, carry, carry against Scotland and see if you can grind them down um, that way. Because obviously Scotland have got some very, very um, good backs at the moment. Do you think the Welsh front five is good enough to do that? I know obviously the French kind of front five managed to sort of dominate... If I, if, I, if I knew the answer to that, I'd probably be putting a big bet on. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not sure where they are, but the Welsh scrum is is, is a funny thing. It, some weekends it'll click, and others it won't. It's certainly um, not. Uh, it's certainly not uh, like a sort of classic Wales front five. If you look at this, what you've had over the last sort of um, yeah. five years with sort of Adam Jones, Geth and Jenkins, Geth and Jenkins, and. Um, Who's the blonde, uh, you know, blonde, the blonde lad? Austin. I'd love Hibbard to come back. I l- he is so great. <laughs> I think he's enjoying uh, enjoying life down in Gloucester. A few beers, I, a few I, don't think, I don't think he wants the aerobic challenge of Test rugby. <laughs> 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 but um, look, looking at the team, I mean, the second row. I mean, Jake Ball, in fairness, is in the form of his life. Um, yeah. You know, he hasn't been playing this good ever before. Alan Wynne-Jones is, is the safe go-to man um, in Welsh rugby. So the second row is solid. You look at the front. You look at the um, the front row. That's where it's you know it's not um, as much, strong as we would like. Rob Evans is coming on nicely, but he's still a young guy. Yeah. Um, Thomas Francis, you know, when he when he gets his those days where his scrimmaging goes well, um, you know, he he's, he'd be very destructive. But at the same time, he can have um, days where it isn't go well. I mean, the, the thing with the Welsh scrum is when it clicks as an eight-man unit, it's fine. But it's too often prone to a, you know, not be a whole. It's a, a disparate sum of parts. Yeah. I think I think obviously the front row is is a, is a key issue in every single match. We. I think there is going to be a change in that Scottish front row um, this weekend. We think Gordy Reid, he's possibly not, he's not nearly as dynamic or as skillful around the park as Alan Dell, but he is a much bigger and much more sort of um, tested scrummager at this level. He's going to be coming in, I think, to that, try that, and... That, 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 that wouldn't surprise me at all. Because um, I think, you know, sort of Vern... Vern Cotter's a shrewd operator. I mean, you know, you know he has his critics, but I think Scottish rugby will pretty much look back on him very much the way Welsh rugby looks back on Steve Hansen. That, although it didn't click when he was there, I suspect he's been laying a lot of foundations, which you will yeah. you will reap the rewards. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. We've talked a lot about that, and we're all quite um, we're all quite bemused, and we think that Vern should have been allowed to take us through to twenty nineteen. But, you know, 
Townsend's a good coach, and um, you've got a very, very innovative coach coming into the Warriors. So, you know, it swings yeah. and roundabouts. But, but I think, sort of, as time progresses with history, I think people will look back on Vern Cotter and see a lot of the unseen work he's done and how, it's fil- how it will filter through mm-hmm. in the future. Maybe if we can move on to, to the Wales coach, to, to Gatland, and sort of the Howley dynamic at the moment. Um, you mentioned that. Sort of Wales will play a very sort of Warren Ball esque game in terms of big carries and, and not too much sort of uh, creativity, I suppose, or, or risk taking. Um, how do you see the the sort of evolution of the team? And do you think that this Warren Ball has sort of gone on for, for too long, particularly when it comes to to beating the likes of of um, the rugby championship guys like New Zealand and Australia? Um, yeah, well, it's 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 an evolution process. I mean, you know, the lawmakers, the refs are speeding up the game generally. You know, sort of the all the all blacks are always the yardstick, and they're turning into a an aerobic challenge. So one dimensional carry structure is very difficult to make to make work when you come across southern hemisphere teams. But again, you know, it's it's a you know it's a slow evolution rather than a revolution. You see that Jamie Roberts is on the bench. Now you'd wonder, well, you know, he's not exactly an impact player. So yeah, not anymore. Yeah, but Scott Williams, you know, is is a more um, is, it has better distributive skills. You you wouldn't call him a big kicker, second five eighth or anything, but yeah. clearly he's more of a playmaker than. Jamie Roberts, and he's not as big or powerful as running into a brick wall. So you see the game involving him. We may see an, an extra evolution this weekend because when you play Scotland, one of the things about Warren Ball is you, know, you tend to go for a fast kick chase game. Against England, Wales are always worried about a driving line-out. So Wales don't tend to want to put the, put the ball um, off the park. When they're playing England, they'd rather kick deep, chase as a line, and try and deny England driving more. Um, they weren't very interested in taking it off the park two weeks ago, were they? <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I think yeah, I mean, that was that was the worst of all worlds because they they needed to get the forwards to flop over the ball a few more times before to have bigger back in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. And then whether they whether they kicked it off the park with a wider angle or whether they kicked it downfield, at least there'd be a a, more, a kick closer to the touchline if it wasn't going out, and there'd be a line chase. Because what happened, we kicked it too soon, our, our defence was hopelessly stretched, and Ford yeah. and Farrell took advantage. Yeah. Um, it wasn't great, but when you play Scotland, you've got another problem, because if you've got Stuart Hogg at fullback, kicking the ball to him all day, and that inviting him to run it back at you, um, is, a, is a pretty dangerous tackle. Talk about Sam Warbs, I think... Yeah. We give him quite a lot of stick um, because I think we think he's probably a bit overrated and actually it kind of looks like kind of getting rid of the captaincy is sort of freedom from his shackles a little bit and he's actually sort of had, especially against England, had quite a strong game. What do you what do you see he, him bringing to the Wales team and do you, do you think he's as good as um, sort of Gatlin does? Well, I mean, so in, in Welsh rugby, it's, it's, we always get polarised. So, you know, it's like bigger the conservative fly off. Um, sort of, you know, Sam Davis, the running, jinky, sort of Barry John, Phil Bennett type thing. And again, at, at, at Flanker, it gets polarised because those that like a link player at Flanker love um, Justin Tipperick. And those that want, you know, an out and out jackal, they'll just get the pain in the backside at every breakdown and get himself over the ball um, like Sam Warburton and you know everything is taken to extremes um, Warburton does a job um, when he's on song you know he can really be a nuisance he's never going to be a great ball carrier um, I, think, I don't think his greatest fan would say that about him but he does bring that physicality that Gatlin likes and without without the captaincy I, I frequently think um um, he plays better. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think I think his greatest skill is um, standing next to rocks and looking really busy. <laughs> I, I, gen, I genuinely think I've watched him and I've had an issue with him for a number of years. And I, I really think it, it was the same with um, Chris Robshaw when he was captain of England. No matter what he did, it seemed that he was the darling of the, the media and things like that. And I, I started looking at Sam Warburton. He, he bridges an awful lot or sort of stands next to Rux, but 
I, I think the games in which he has huge impacts, he can really count on one hand. Yes, but I think what he, I mean, what he, what he does is he, he picks his games. I mean, that's why Gatton likes him, is that the games where he's had a real, real big impact, I think. I think one of the better ones was that 2013 victory over England in Cardiff. Yeah. When he really does, when he really does um, get on his game, um, he is an absolute nuisance for an opposing side. Because, um, you know, sort of, he'll do nothing for 20 minutes, it's obvious, but then... You give him one chance and bingo, you be you have to hold on three points from half penny, yeah. it's over. I guess so it's what, just you know, we're we're, we're, we're like, Scottish rugby fans, so we're always throwing throwing stones from the sidelines, you know, when we see when it, when people are winning games. So uh, we, we, that, we like to pick like, five. He times his contribution. Yeah. Um right, well that's absolutely awesome um analysis. No wonder you're so uh, your blog is so popular. Um should we just finally just get what do you reckon's gonna happen on Saturday then? Score-wise? It'll be a close one. Um, you know, I sort of... I think Wales... I don't, I mean, I don't think Wales have lost to Scotland since since the Gatland era began. Um, we've had a few close shades. I remember one game, I was in Millennium Stadium, where um, I think Shane Williams scored the, the winning try. Oh, don't, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. <laughs> don't, don't bring that but, um, up. Come on. You know, so it's one of those things. Is If I had to be a betted man, I'd go for Wales. But if 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 I came if I you know if I missed the match and somebody told me oh Scotland won by six points or five points, mm. it wouldn't come as a big surprise if that's if that's the best way I can describe it. It was a game with Scotland in the first match. I said if I had to put my money, um, I'd say probably um, I think a few days before I was asked my view, it was before Sexton withdrew. I said oh, I think Ireland will win, but I wouldn't be remotely surprised if Scotland did. I think the same thing goes on this one. I think the Welsh team are hurting from the England defeat because they didn't just gift that away. They put a bow on it. You know, it was the present was nicely wrapped in the yeah. last kick. Um, so if the Welsh players can get over that and they're hurting, I think they can deliver. But obviously, if it's eating away at them, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah. whatever they do, they've got to keep that. They haven't. They've got to make sure that Scottish back three doesn't get too much space. Yeah, well, awesome. I think I think we're all agreed that it's going to be a tight one, but I think we're probably all back in Scotland. So, uh, but that's just our oh, thing. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, it's good. It's good to see Scotland on the app. That's it is. It is. All rugby like You're that. quite right. And um, well, thank really thanks a lot for your time. That was absolutely awesome analysis, and um, I think our fans are really going to appreciate that. So, um, oh, thanks a lot. That is the the Viet Gwen. Get on his um, get on his Twitter. Get on his blog. It's the, it's the Viet Gwent at WordPress. Um, please take a look and uh, by all means provide your comments. I'm on Twitter, social media, the usual sort of 2017 forums for uh, <laughs> rugby analysis and fans. Okay, thank awesome. you very much for having Th- me. Thanks a lot for your time. Cheers. Well, that was really interesting. Uh, what did you guys make of that? Yeah, no, really good. I think, um, you know, he's right. Wales have beaten us like what nine ten times in a row it was yeah. t- 2007 when we last won when chris patterson hit seven conversions Ooh. so conversions penalties for us to no win no way it. we were scoring seven tries no <laughs> way we were scoring seven tries i think i looked at the team actually and i think it was rob dewey and oh. and um, marcus Dorolo with a yeah. center pairing um, with phil godman at 10 i mean dynamic is the word out of those out of that midfield there's two pair two players that wear gloves Marcus Dorolo and Godwin, <laughs> both is, offering a glove. That tells you an awful lot about what we're doing there. That is true. Um, and I think he's probably right. I think I think big thing again is going to be, can Scotland handle the physicality? I think against France, we just weren't able to sort of reach that level. And it and it, obviously we got quite a lot of injuries that impacted us. But I think, it, I think if Scotland can nullify, nullify, nullify <laughs> that pack... <laughs> um, and we can sort of compete at the breakdown against, obviously, Warburton, yeah. Tipperich, and Balatow, I think our backs could really sort of um, do one. I completely agree, and I'm, I'm actually a little bit heartened, because if you, if you look at the, the two packs we've already played, and then you look at the, French, uh, the, the Wales pack we're going to play at the weekend, the Ireland pack, you would say, is better and more effective than this Wales pack. The France pack is huge, and were effective in their own way last week. They absolutely demolished us in the scrum. Mm. I would feel confident 
um, versus those two that Scotland can get parity, particularly in the scrum. Um, and from what we're hearing um, from sources in camp, that Gordy Reid's going to come in and start ahead of Alan Dell. Mm. So that will make, I think, will make a huge difference in the scrum because Gordy's a, a pretty decent scrummager. He's not. A- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Offering as much around the loose. And then hopefully Dale will be able to bring his svelte rig on in the second half. It's a disgrace to props, that disgrace guy. Disgrace to props. Um, but he'll be able to come on, do what he does in the loose, and do his scrummaging yeah. against a tiring pack. I think the sort of the most encouraging thing is today, Gordon Reid was asked about how they're going to approach the scrum, and he, <laughs> he offered this. He said, we have done a shitload of scrums. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of Planet Rugby interview. I love so, Gordy Reid. You know, yeah, he's, he's great. He's a character. So, um, yeah, I think if we move on to predictions, is that all right? Surely we've got a bit more to. Uh, you, can, you can talk. About oh, we talked. We talked a bit. Well, maybe it's just a wider point, but I just worry that our back row with a few injuries is going to struggle against well, a very good back row that that did really well against England. There's something that I, I, again, one of our sources from camp, and I'm, I don't even know whether to believe this or not, but this is what I, we were told earlier: is that John Hardy is going to start at seven ahead of Hamish Watson, and Hamish Watson won't even start at all. So it'll be Wilson and Oh, Bartley. yeah, no, so Watson's not... Uh, it'll be Watson will be on the bench. So Hardy's coming in to start ahead of him. And I, I mean, I think Watson's been one of the standouts for, for Scotland in the first two games. So wh- what do you think... That if that is indeed true, what do you think the, um, the thinking might be? I think while... I think Hamish Watson has been absolutely outstanding. Um, and actually, I, I thought if anyone... They might play both Hardy and Watson. But if they... I think probably the rationale is... Hardy is a quick player. He's quick to get to the breakdown. Yeah. And he's super combative at the ruck, probably more so than Watson. Um, and I just think they want to make sure that they're sort of nullifying that threat from the Welsh back row, sort of off, offset piece. I think, I think we lose, what we lose most from Watson is his ball carrying, though. Like, if you look back at those two games, like, his yards after contact, he's so tenacious. And he's just, he does not stop until he is properly put down. And I just think that, that ball-carrying option, I think, particularly we, we, we understand that John Barkley is going to come in and captain the side, so he'll be starting in that back row, we think, with Hardy and Wilson. Yeah. None but of them are particularly huge ball-carriers, and we lost Strauss. He did the, the lion's share of the ball-carrying against France. Is that going to be an issue for us? I think it actually will be. I think the fact that Strauss is out makes it more surprising that they've dropped Watson. Yeah. Um. But no, maybe I guess they just want to have play it tight with the forwards and then try and sort of use the backs out wide. I guess, I guess you know Johnny Gray, um, Richie Gray, Fraser Brown, Xander Ferguson do sort of give you that's true for Richie. a front for a front five. She's been carrying like an absolute demon. Yeah, no, definitely. And so going back to leadership point, I think Richie Gray was asked about the captain. He he basically said, "Look, we've got a lot of leaders in this team," and I actually think. Maybe it's, you know, this Six Nations, I feel like Richie's sort of come on quite a lot. He's, he appears to be a lot more of sort of a leader on the pitch. Yeah, um, And so, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a good point, though. I think um, we will miss Hamish Watson. I, I think we will. The other bits of, we think Ali Price has done enough to start at nine, sort of holding off the lukewarm challenge of um, Henry <laughs> Pergos. So it is going to be that. It is going to be the Price-Russell 9-10 mm. um, uh, axis, which we think can be absolutely brilliant, but I'm worried about it blowing a little bit hot and cold. 
yeah, I just, as we talked about last week, it's just that direction and control and just experience. You know, this is Ali Price's, what, third or fourth cap? Like that. Yeah. That counts for a lot. Up against um, Re- a guy like Reese Webb. Yeah, who'll get a in bit his more experience grill and, and we'll, stuff. Yeah, um, but I hope it goes well. And I, it could go very well, that's the thing. You know that if they play to their potential, then they're probably actually better, I think, than, than Webb and bigger on, on current form, at least. Yeah, I think so. I think our backline is is much better than them. I mean, who's going to be? Uh, you, you, you're obviously going to pick Hog over Halfpenny. I yeah. would probably pick Finn over Bigger. Although Bigger is, he gets himself up for these big games. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the thing about this game is of all the teams, especially of the home nations, none of these Scottish players have, are afraid of these guys. They play against them sort of week in week out yeah, in the Pro yeah, Twelve. Yeah. They beat them week in week in week in week out at the Pro Twelve, and. I I really think that I think Price and Russell could really sort of take it to Wales and um, do some damage. So is that your prediction? We think we're going to win it? No, I think Wales will win by three <laughs> points. <laughs> and there he is, the Negatron. Matthew, what do you think? Uh, I think Wales will win by eight. Ooh, that's quite a big beating, isn't it? I think it is. I think it'll be close, but then they'll pull away slightly and we'll, we'll always be there, but we'll never quite be ahead or close enough. No, I think we... I think we got battered by France, but I think we did amazingly well to hold on and to only lose by what we did. And I think we can edge, we can certainly get parity with Wales on um, physicality. And I think our backs are going to run run rings around them. So I think I think we're going to win. You know what? I agree, actually. I've been bashing Wales this whole time. Scotland are going to win. Wh- Wales, up, you Wales. I think I've just watched that Wales-England game and I was like, oh, crap, Wales are actually quite good. But I think if Wales stick to war and ball, I think Scotland have a little bit too much of them. So... Switch around. Boom. Let's do it. So we've got two wins and one loss there. Right. We have a very, very quick uh, Scotland-Wales quiz, don't we, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think you might have actually slightly ruined one of my questions in that talk, um, but we'll, we'll go for it, and I'll, I'll change it Hi. slightly. Um, you'll see question three. So, <laughs> quick <laughs> fire. Quick fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to ask who got all the kicks, and <laughs> oh. Anna said it. But anyway, um, so just run through it quickly. Um, I'll ask all the questions and we'll do answers at the end. Yeah, 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 go on. So, uh, the same as the Irish one, two sides have played 121 games throughout history. How many have Wales won and how many have Scotland won? You could just go for one if you want. Ooh, any draws in there? Or three draws. Three draws out of 121. Yeah. Um, Okay. You got that? No. (laughs) (laughs) Try and do some maths. I'm just going to write down a number. Okay. Go for it. Um, so yeah, the second one was the last time Scotland won versus Wales, which was in 2007. Um, since then, how many games has, have Wales beaten Scotland in a row? What's the winning streak now that Wales have since that time? So what, since 2007? Yeah. How many years has it been? Sharp. Ten. <laughs> Ten. I mean, so that would make it, yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> Sorry, good <laughs> Sorry, math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, <laughs> So, Wales against Scotland in 1975 was watched by what was then a world record crowd. Can you name the attendance closest to the overall number and the score? Ooh. If you get the point scores, then you win the quiz forever. What year, what what year was it? 1975. Oh, I don't know much about that squad. No, I'd never <laughs> heard of it. Well, I've heard of the players. Uh, Big players. Yeah, I know about the players. Um, okay. They're only getting four points for a try back then, so I'm just going to put something down. Alan, got an answer? Yeah. No idea. Okay. And then the fifth one, um, we tweeted about it this week, that famous John Leslie try in 1999. How many seconds were on the clock? Mm. Um, I didn't watch the video that closely, despite him being my uncle. <laughs> He's also your dad as well, isn't he? He is my dad. He's my dad and my uncle. It's a very strange family <laughs> life we've got. And Martin is just sort of floating around. <laughs> right. Got, got something written down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have anything written down for five? It's I can see. We haven't done five yet. Yeah, we have. Oh, did we do four? Oh, I... I These no, quizzes right. are all <laughs> the shambles. No, well, I had five, but then Alan <laughs> right, ruined it on. with his terrible Chris Patterson <laughs> chat. Right, so first question. Two sides, 121 games. How many times have Wales won? I did. F- I just wrote fifty-five times for Wales. I wrote sixty-eight times for Wales. 
The answer is 70. So oh Alan takes God, that. Really he, I know. That is much more one-sided than I thought it would be. Uh, well, you think of the sort of the great Welsh, Welsh sides of the, yeah, the past. They would have absolutely pumped us. Um, yeah, three draws. Scotland have won 48 times. So does Alan win because he was closer? Yeah, he does. Um, so the current winning slash losing the streak? 10? Well, there's been nine games. <laughs> yeah, it is nine. <laughs> <laughs> it was just simple math. <laughs> I saw Dave right in the 10 and I enjoyed it. Um, okay, this, okay. Isn't this isn't going well. So, moving on. So, the Wales, which I thought was amazing, a world record crowd at the time at Murrayfield. Um, what was the attendance? What did you come up with for that? I don't think it's over 100,000. I think it's around 80, sorry, 98,000. I've gone for 102,000. <laughs> It was 104,000 people. Yes. How unbelievable <laughs> is that? It was when it was, there was standing. Yeah, there was standing. And supposedly it was, um, it was unticketed, so people just piled in. How good would oh, that be? That How good so, would that so be? Good. But supposedly people who'd bought tickets, everyone just stood in their seats and was like, deal with it, unlucky. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so good. Dave takes that one. Um, Very happy with that. And then last one, the John Leslie try. Oh, sorry, the score, score? was 12-10 to Scotland. Ooh, I had what six, did you get? I had sixteen eight. Sixteen eight. What did you get? Uh, six three. Who's I'm closer? Gonna have to give that to Alan because he's got a closer gap points differential. Oh. <laughs> um, and it was three penalties from Dougie Morgan, who once hey. again is my legend, and a drop kick from Ian McGeechan. Oh. So there you go. Geech chipping in. Geech, yeah, Geechy boy. Um, and then finally, the John Leslie tried in nineteen ninety nine. How many seconds were on that clock? World record, I think. What have we got? I, for some reason, thought it was 13, but that seems a little bit too long. Yeah, I was thinking that. I, I, I've written 12, so I'm going to go with 12. 12 versus 13. It was 10 seconds dead. Ugh. Unbelievable. You put 11. Unlucky. <laughs> so what's that? Who won that in the end? I think I Alan took it. Two. Alan got three. Mm. Well, it's a loss for me. Oh, well, well as per nice, normal nice, service resumed. Normal service is resumed. And a nice way to... Hopefully we haven't made any errors in that quiz this year. This week, sorry. Well, we because to, we last do, week was a bit we, dodgy in the hands of A. Little. We do need to apologise. But your, your record isn't clean on the old, old Annie's Land gate in about episode three, robbing me of a point. I will... I'm not going to take the blame for this. It's one of two people. Either Stephen Jones... Or the person who manages the list of Scottish National R Union rugby players on Wikipedia who has linked Hamish Watson to the footballer. And obviously I decided to ignore the picture where clearly <laughs> it's not Hamish Watson, the rugby player, but Hamish Watson, the footballer. I think that's got Stephen Jones written all over it. It is. He's the, exactly that sort of petty man that he would go in and make an, a slight change to a Wikipedia page. Exactly. He's exactly that sort of guy. Um, right, thanks for that, Matt. That was good. Another loss for um, me. Let's crack on. Edinburgh, get Cockerell. What do we think? Yeah, so two things annoyed <laughs> this me. sounds good. No, two things annoyed me about this. One, one petty, one legitimate. The first one that slightly annoyed me is sort of Mark Palmer, who I think is a very, very good journalist, so it was like chatting about how like the Messiah Scott Johnson had sort of sauntered down to the south of France and had unbelievably got this convinced sort of <laughs> um, cockers to come up to Edinburgh. And I was like, well, no, he just went down and offered him a shit ton of cash. Yeah. And he doesn't have a job at the end of the year. Yeah, so you're getting quite good at that. Yeah, they are. But I just, I hate that there was this idea that Scott Johnson has proved his worth because he's offered a job to Richard Cockrell just sort of great. Grinding my gears a little bit. Scott Johnson will ever be able to prove his worth to Scotland rugby fans. Not to me. Never to me either. No. I'll never forget. Yeah, you got 28%. <laughs> um, and the second one was sort of these descriptions of um, Richard Cockrell. Everyone was like, oh, he's combative. Oh, he's hungry for the job. The one that annoyed me was he doesn't, he, he's not content with um, mediocre gameplay. I was like, oh. How many times does it annoy me when Solomons was happy with mediocre play? Like, <laughs> like that sort of like a, spe a USP of a coach that they... Yeah, that they enjoy mediocrity. And I think with... You know, it was clear with Leicester that him and Aaron Major, and they've both been actually quite open about it, they had a very sort of different philosophy on rugby. Um, with Major sort of looking to have a more expansive game and Cockrell very much based around sort of the set piece. 
And I think just a lot of the ways that people are sort of describing Cockrell very similar to the ways that people describe Solomon's. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's what worries me is that I, I think Edinburgh's pack need to har- are very good. And, but they could, and they could probably do with a bit of hardening up, which I think Cockerell can bring them. And I think that a bit of a change of pace in that is pretty good. But he has literally just left the job because he's refusing to change his philosophy to play a more sort of expansive um, attacking brand of rugby. Um, and I just, I, I just, I think that's what Edinburgh need. They need mm. that solid pack, and then d- to get this backline firing to score, um, to score tries. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know if Cockerell's going to do that. And he is keeping the rest of the existing Edinburgh coaching staff, isn't he? He's not being allowed to bring in his own yeah, guys, which say, tells funny. me that you know Edinburgh's backline, which is pretty poor at the moment in a number of ways, is being is going to be coached by the same people. So what might get better is their pack, which is fair enough. But yeah. it's still going to be a platform for a pretty mediocre backline with which whose coaches aren't getting them going. So I. I think the wider coaching point concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say that's my concern. I, I do have some sympathy with the mentality point because I think that one of the problems that's dogged Edinburgh is they're just they're too comfortable. Like they live in Edinburgh, they train. It's very easy. Like I'm saying, this very it's a very easy life there, and oh there's dear, not Edinburgh rugby players live in Edinburgh. Well, I'm saying in terms of how Edinburgh is like a really nice place to live. Um, you know, they're in George Street all the time, whatever. And I, I think that like the competition. Is, is not there, so it's very comfortable. And I think they're actually, each year, I'm sure they target, like, 7th or 8th in the league. Like It's it's just a culture, I think, of very low expectations. And I think that someone like Richard Cockrell will go in there and hopefully sort of tear that up. Um, wh- whether the Edinburgh players react well to that or not, I, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a lot of player power, but... I can't wait for Richard Cockrell to force... Connor Dupree to move to Falkirk. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Get him out of his comfort zone. Get him out of his comfort, comfortable yeah. flat in Stockbridge. John That's H- the problem. John Hardy's off to Kirkcaldy. <laughs> WPNL can go home to... Uh, <laughs> Where's where, he from? Selkirk, isn't he? Selkirk. Is he a Selkirk boy? Something like that. Just get get them out of the comfort zone <laughs> of Edinburgh. That's what needs to happen. Um, do you think that... Do you think that um, the SRU's mentality is maybe changing, though, is that there was one good quality, proven at a top-level coach available, and he was only available for about a month. He went and did a consultancy job in Toulon. The SRU said, right, that's our man. They went and got him. Is that not quite a good change in mentality? Rather than, you know, when Solomons was, he was just a sort of, it's just a bloke from South Africa, wasn't he? I think, I think it's a panic move. A panic move? I, obviously, they, they don't think Duncan Hodge is going to be a permanent yeah. role. And they were like, shit, let's get someone in before the end of the season. I don't see why you needed to get someone in right now when he's not even going to be able to come until well, I think it gives certainty, June, July. I think it gives certainty to the squad and I think it allows them to probably... You know, Cockrell's a name that maybe people will come and play for. It, does he make Edinburgh a more attractive place to come and play rugby if you are a professional? I, I do, if you're a forward, possibly. If I was a back, I don't think it makes it any more attractive to come up to Edinburgh. If you know, you know the way Edinburgh play, and you know you've seen the way Richard Cockrell plays, and all the way he sort of t- and the way things have happened at Leicester. Um, but look, it'd be interesting. I, I was having we look at his stats. Actually, he sort of came in in the middle of uh, 2009, and he actually won the title with Leicester in his first two seasons. Yeah. And they appear to have kind of had this steady decline with. To be fair, they've only gone down to fourth. They've made the top four every single year since he's been there. But he did inherit a very, very good team. And he has sort of struggled to develop that sort of different side of their game. That's uh, true. I think the, the squad development point is that you're right. He came in, in halfway through 2009 and he won the, won the league. You don't do that starting a, starting a squad from scratch. You know, he's inherited something great there. Mm. He won it twice more in his, in his time, I think. Or just once more? Okay, once or twice more. And he's won a couple of cups on, along the way as well. But the last four years. And then this year, it just seemed to implode. I think the major stuff. But if you think, r- remember back a few months, they've t- taken two absolute hidings from Glasgow. Mm. An absolutely embarrassing um, loss to, um, was it racing? Yeah, you got pumped racing by racing. nothing to play for. Yeah. And they beat them by about 30 points. And I think yeah. Munster smashed them as well, didn't they? So, you know, it just... It, I think th- obviously his his time was run at Le- Leicester, and hopefully he will uh, have a little time in the south of France. Will revitalise him, and he comes back to Edinburgh ready to take on what is 
a very big challenge. But I will just end by saying that I think the SRU seem to be focusing their attention on Edinburgh now. Yeah. Hopefully Glasgow they can... Were, Glasgow were there. Yeah. I mean, I'll maybe just be a bit more positive on Cockrell. That there was a lot of chat that Claremont wanted him and whether that was actually correct, I don't know because he's, he's played there before. So I think he was in demand. Um, and I think that we would have been saying a lot of these same things when Andy Robinson was appointed as sort of like a, a okay, yeah. pretty actually did a really bad job at England. He's rubbish. Came in and we played really well. Um, and even Michael Bradley, like who who had heard of Michael Bradley and he led us to a Heineken Cup semi-final. So I'm I'm optimistic and I, I hope that he does well. I just sort of want us to bear those kind of things in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get look, of, of I really, really hope he's a massive success. Oh, yeah. And I really so. hope I'm absolutely wrong. It's, it's kind of interesting, though, sort of the way, because obviously the SRU is like a massive sort of top-down operation. And I think sort of the way that Gregor Townsend is going to set up Scotland, you would think would probably be quite similar to the way Dave Rennie is going to set up Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. And it would appear that probably Cockrell is going to have quite a different sort of um, setup at Edinburgh and how that all sort of fits together will be will be really interesting. Yeah, it will be good to see that. I think, yeah, I think, I think it was pretty decent. I, yeah. think, I, I think I just, I don't know. I hope it's good. And I hope that the SRU are now going to turn their attention to Edinburgh because I think they've kind of been left to the dogs while Glasgow have been getting all the good stuff for the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Edinburgh, are, even though results haven't been great, with Marseille, with the new coach... I think you know this could really give them like a big sort of boost going into next season. I and you're probably right. I don't actually think there's that many top. If they're only going to go for top proven yeah. sort of coaches, there really wasn't that many out there Not for them that to many go options. for. I th- so I think yes, I think they wanted to get someone quickly, and it, but I, I thought it was rather than a panic move. I thought it was decisive, and I think they were just like, let's mm. go and get him. Yeah, great. Well, best of luck to Edinburgh. I think is what we say. Um, right, other things. Let's just touch on this quickly. Um, our third issue of the week, the expansion of, or the mooted expansion mm. of Pro 12. So this week also broke that um, Georgia are really making their big push to try and get themselves into the Six Nations as well. And as part of that, they want to put a franchise into the Pro 12. Um, and there was some talk about a German franchise as well. Matt, you've been sort of following this one. Yeah, there's actually... There's been loads of chat which maybe sort of um, sheds a bit of doubt on whether it's actually true. But there's been, yeah, as you say, Georgia, and they've got this billionaire backer who has been a lot, yeah, exactly, a lot of money, and he's really into his rugby. And I think their coach is saying that their facilities are way better. He's from New Zealand, are way better than the All Blacks. Um, so they're pretty serious about it. Their their sugar daddy's really into peacocks as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's got like twelve different kinds. He's got all he's got all of the peop- peacocks. It's he's very. Got, <laughs> he's completed peacocks. <laughs> Um, and then there's Germany, who I think have, have come out and said that they are willing to commit, well, the German rubber union, willing to commit like £30 million to a new infrastructure and a stadium. Who did Germany beat in the... They beat Romania, which was a big win for them. Yeah, they did get absolutely hosed by Georgia the weekend. they but beat Namibia recently as well. I think they beat Uruguay. Or Uruguay. It was one of the... Which was the a big the World Cup team. The World Cups, yeah. But on top of this, you've had Gary Gold, who um South African coach who is now at Worcester, used to be at Bath and Sharks and stuff, has come out and said the only way for South African rugby to survive is if the Northern Hemisphere teams join in with them. So whether the Pro 12 becomes an expanded league with South Africans as well. And then there's still chat that... Wow. And then there's still chat that there could be a couple of US pro teams in Houston and Toronto. So I think you have to take it all with a bit of a pinch of salt. But I think it clearly shows that the... Pro 12 guys, fair play to them, are looking for new sort of commercial sources. But at the same time, it's sort of a bit of an identity crisis. I think I'm not that concerned about the identity crisis. I think the Pro 12, I'm I'm heartened to hear that the Pro 12 is looking at itself and thinking this is not a good way to continue. Because I think, as as we've said before, there are some world-class teams within the Pro 12, but it is a very poor league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's two five-pointers when you go away to... Italy, or the when they come to you. Uh, apart, sorry, sorry, Edinburgh fans, <laughs> not five pointers. <laughs> you know, there should be. Yeah. Um, too many dead games. So, so I didn't know that stuff about the South African franchises. So what? The Stormers are going to come to Newport Gwent on a Friday night on BBC Alba. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I think what Guy Gold was saying was that you would 
reduce the whole league. So in that case, Scotland would probably only get one team. If that, Wales would probably get two. I think he even wanted to include England. So it was a bit of a far-fetched plan. That sounds a bit mad, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I know that South Africa, there has always been a bit of a chat about South Africans getting involved just because, I guess, with time difference, yeah. it works out a lot better. Um, but I should, I'd be... I'd be very, very surprised if that, that happened. the blue bulls coming to my side. What is this? Yeah. Um, I think probably Georgia and Germany are the two, the two actual ones. The ones that could happen, yeah. I mean, this, bit, this Bidzina guy, he's um, I mean, proper multi-billionaire. Yeah. Um, like he's was he not president for a while? Yeah, I think he was president for a while. I don't know where he got his money from. Eep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he's saying that the, he will pay 10 million a year yeah. to get Georgia into the Six Nations. Six Nations, not Pro 12. Six Nations. Oh, I mean, yeah. Probably. We, are we talking about the Six Nations? I think we're, we're are, we, are we chucking in both? Yeah, yeah, both. No, but I mean, at a national level, he wants to put them in. Right. To start, I'm willing to, I think he said, I'm willing to lose or to pay 10 million. I think Georgia just getting quite desperate now, not in a bad way. That wasn't meant to come across badly, but so they saw they said they were chatting to Super Rugby as well yeah. about trying to get into Super Rugby. But they obviously have the money, they have the setup, and they just need a place yeah. at the table. I think we played we played Georgia in the in the autumn, and what did we beat them by thirty? Yeah, I I think forty. So yeah, near, near forty. I think a lot of the Georgians were pretty they're upset. Away. They're not miles away from Italy. I don't think they actually really gave themselves justice that day. I think no. they, they're a lot better than what they, they what they showed. I mean, away away trip to Tbilisi. Tbilisi would be good. Tbilisi's meant to be really good. Um, so what do we think? They would put in one franchise, so they try and get hold of all of their Georgian talent and put them in one team, like the Italians yeah. are thinking about doing as well. 100%. I think... I mean, I think it's a start. Yeah, you probably reduce Italy to one, put in a Georgian team, and maybe even have. Can you have a Pro Thirteen, and just? Uh, I mean, I guess have so. a rest weekend. I remember so watching the Super Twelve. So I mean, what, what? is it now? It's like nineteen. <laughs> Super eighteen. Super eighteen is that what it's called now? Yeah. So yeah. I guess we can have the Pro Thirteen. And I think I don't know. I think most of us are pretty pro on the idea of the Six Nations adding relegation I'd like and, to see it. and having a playoff with Georgia. Other than the fact, uh, apart from the years when Scotland are the uh, wooden spoon, then we don't do relegation. But when it's Italy, we do. I mean, you've obviously got that. but there's or also Wales. There's it's definitely when it's Wales. Yeah, I was going to say, there is always the chance that Wales might get relegated, which would be the oh best thing God, ever. so good. Um, but no, I think I think any, any ideas that help sort of spread the game, I think in the Challenge Cup, actually adding a couple of the teams from sort of Eastern Europe is actually been really, really good, and they haven't completely been blown away by a lot of the teams. Um, yeah. So, yeah, should be I good. Think, I think it's good. I think any ideas to shake up the Pro 12, get some more money in there, get some more interest in it, and... Uh, I mean, that's what Sky want. They want Georgia. They that, want Georgia. That, that, that'll get the viewers in. Rupert that's what people Georgia. pay. That's what people paid. That's who's behind it, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Heard it here first. It's true. <laughs> right, boys, it's getting a bit, bit late in the day. Should we call it a, call it a night? Yeah, it was that Finley Christie guy who's playing for the Chiefs. Hopefully, future Scottish oh, yeah, rugby gi- player. The, gi- the ginger lad, real ginger. Like he is he's real really Scottish. Ginger. He needs to come. He needs to come home. He, he looks looks the part though, and he's, he's gonna get game time for the Chiefs. I believe he's good enough. I don't need to watch it. It's fine. And look, Scott Johnson knows how to get this sorted. He does. Look, you got Cockrell. He got Cockrell. He's going to get Finlay Christie. He's going to get Finlay Christie. Oh, and that, that um, the, the New Zealand team that played for Glasgow looks quite good. The one with the Scotland dad. Scottish dad. He's from South Africa. Oh, he's from South Africa? Yeah. He, oh, looked, he looked all right. He's all right. He's all right. He was playing fullback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was okay, right. well, I got a lot of things wrong in that. That Kiwi 10 <laughs> looked real good. I think that's a signal that we should call it a day, chaps. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> okay, well, um, Scotland Wales on Saturday. Let's. Yeah, go I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. Looking forward to it. Yeah, can't wait. Be, uh, Nervous, but it should be good. I think we're gonna get a win. Um, so on that positive note, I'm gonna say goodbye. See you later, guys. Thanks, guys, for listening. See you soon. See ya. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.